sponsored by Capital Access Alliance. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook Deputy Editor Zach Stanton. It is Tuesday, July 18th, and here's what's driving the day. Last night at a no-labels town hall in New Hampshire, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin refused to rule out a presidential bid on a third-party ticket, namely the no-labels ticket. That is a prospect that Democrats we've been hearing from seem to be increasingly frustrated or annoyed or worried or, or some mix of all of those about. Their fear is that Manchin, if he runs, will play a spoiler role, that he'll throw the 2024 election to Donald Trump. Asked directly about that, Joe Manchin sort of demurred. He said that, I've been in races to win, and if I get in the race, I'm going to win. That did very little to calm Democrats' heart palpitations here. The other concern for Democrats is that Manchin doesn't run for re-election in West Virginia, which is an overwhelmingly pro-Trump state that is all but certain to elect a Republican senator if Manchin opts not to seek re-election. Now, the strategy that Democrats are banking on to retain their Senate majority is to hold the incumbents. Gary Peters, who is a Democratic senator from Michigan and runs the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, talked with Burgess Everett about this in a piece that published this morning. Senator Peters said that obviously Democrats want to win as many seats as they can, but if you are to candidly look at the Senate map in 2024, there are precious few Republican seats that Democrats stand much of any chance of flipping. The three most enticing, perhaps, are Texas, where Senator Ted Cruz is up for re-election, Florida, where Senator Rick Scott is seeking re-election, and Missouri, where Senator Josh Hawley is up for re-election. All three are men who've flirted with 2020 election denialism to various degrees. All three are sort of persona non grata among Democrats. And all three are sure to have well-financed Democratic candidates, even if those candidates ultimately don't stand much of a chance. Now, the question for the DSCC is kind of how hard do we go against them? You know, how much money do we actually want to invest in these races? And would that money perhaps be better spent trying to insulate some of the Democratic incumbents in toss-up states that are up for re-election in 2024? You know, we have folks like John Tester in Montana, Sherrod Brown in Ohio. You have Bob Casey up for re-election in Pennsylvania. The list goes on and on. It is a tough map for Democrats. All in all, this is a dynamic you're really going to want to be watching to see what the 2024 Senate map ultimately is. In Washington today, most eyes are going to be set on CNN this afternoon as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis joins CNN anchor Jake Tapper for a rare sit-down interview with a mainstream outlet. Joining me to discuss that is Playbook co-author Rachel Bade. Rachel, good morning. Good morning. This is notable because the DeSantis campaign has largely avoided mainstream media outlets. What is behind this pivot at this point in time? Well, clearly, the campaign has decided that what they're doing right now is not working. I mean, you look at the polls, DeSantis has stalled, and not only stalled, but his numbers have actually gone backwards as Trump has extended his lead over DeSantis. And They've obviously had some problems with fundraising. I mean, the second quarter, they didn't bring in as much money as they thought they would. They're realizing that a lot of their big donors have already maxed out donations to him under spending limits. So he's not going to be able to 
draw resources from them anymore. And when it comes to small dollar donors, he's actually really struggling there compared with Donald Trump. And so I think clearly there's a fear in the DeSantis campaign that there's this sort of narrative right now that is setting in and crystallizing in this narrative that he's not going anywhere. And the more people learn about him, (laughs) the more problems he has. And so it seems to be an attempt to reset that they're not just going to talk to conservative-friendly media outlets. They're going to try to extend their reach by talking to people like Jake Tepper and going on, you know, more mainstream media. Now, will this ultimately help? I don't know. I could actually see a situation today where Jake Tapper and DeSantis get in some really contentious back and forth, and then like an hour later, you see DeSantis's campaign clip like a small segment of that and send it to a bunch of potential contributors who will look at that video and say, oh, look at him pushing back against the media. Let's give to him. But I mean, clearly this is an effort to say what we're doing right now is not working. Let's try something else. You know, and one of the odd things about this, though, is that because they haven't done too many mainstream media hits, it really raises the expectations here for what DeSantis needs to do in this interview with Tapper, what he should do. It just raises the stakes for him so much because it's such a rare occurrence. So do you have a sense of what success looks like to Ron DeSantis in this interview? (laughs) It's a great question because this is really risky for him. All of us political reporters are going to be tuned in and totally analyzing every word of this. And Jake Tapper is not known as a person who gives, you know, a softball interview, and he's going to come at DeSantis with some hard questions. And I think success for him is to be able to talk about his own policy agenda, what it would look like if there was a Ron DeSantis White House to voters who perhaps haven't seen or heard from him before, more independent voters who perhaps lean Republican, but they watch CNN. So that's, you know, an area that he can potentially reach out. You know, I had a conversation yesterday with someone at another campaign who mentioned to me that this person was very perplexed about this whole Jake Tapper interview because he said, look, if he wants to engage with the media, if he wants to reach more people, why is he doing this interview on a Tuesday at like four or five o'clock when people are still working? They're not really tuned into the news yet. Why aren't they doing this on primetime? Why aren't they doing this during a Sunday political talk show when a lot of Americans watch and catch up on politics news? And the theory this person had was that DeSantis wanted to sort of check a box to say, look, we're changing strategy. We're doing mainstream media and sort of get credit for that, but without people actually watching. Now, I don't know if there's any truth to that, but I did think it was a sort of interesting theory. And it's also worth noting that a lot of these other campaigns are going to be also watching this as closely as we are to see how he does in this new venue. For sure. Well, we'll be watching. Thanks so much, Rachel. Thank you. And for your schedule today, at 1.15 p.m., President Biden will hold a bilateral meeting with Israeli President Isaac Herzog. At 5 p.m., President Biden will hold a meeting with Cardinal Matteo Zuppi to discuss the war in Ukraine, and Vice President Kamala Harris will meet with state attorneys general to discuss the fentanyl public health crisis at 1.10 p.m. The House will meet at 10 a.m. The Senate will meet at 3 p.m. to take up Rachel Bloomkatz's nomination to become a U.S. Circuit Judge, and later will vote on a motion to invoke cloture on the motion to proceed to the National Defense Authorization Act. I'm Zach Stanton. Thanks for listening.